Let us turn our attention now to the truth of God's word on this Father's Day. Little boy said, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, only the gift is not as expensive. Uh, I suppose socks are cheaper than perfume, right? But today we honor our dads and we worship our Heavenly Father. When Jesus gave his disciples that model prayer, he started the prayer like this. We're reading in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. He starts the prayer like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The message today is not about the prayer, the Our Father, but it is a message about God, Father God. We want to worship and honor God today, our Heavenly Father, by learning more about Him. Jesus introduced God to us as Father. The New Testament is filled with Scripture, which makes a reference to God as Father. It's not new. In the Old Testament, there are also many references where God calls himself a father. The first verse in the Bible says, In the beginning, that's Genesis uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Now, how do you relate to creator God in Genesis 1-1? When you hear the word God, in the beginning, God, okay? When you hear God, what comes to your mind? What feeling is evoked in you when you hear that word? When you first heard about God, how did you get to know Him? If I asked you to describe God, what would you say? What was your initial mental picture or understanding of God? Was he described to you as creator? What about as redeemer or savior? What about as king or perhaps as judge? Now, all these are common terms and they are all true about God. He is creator. He is redeemer. He is king. He is judge. But you see, what you think about God determines how you live towards others, towards yourself, and towards God. How you know Him is how you will make Him known. To the level that you have a revelation of God's character, to that level you will live. It will influence things like trust, security, provision, comfort, love, friendship, intimacy. Your understanding of who God is in all of these areas will affect how you relate to others and to yourself and to God. Now, some people see God as an angry man. He's judging you not giving you the things you want. And so you won't involve him in your life because he may not allow you to have the things that you want and that you enjoy. 
Others go to the other extreme and they see God as a loving grandfather. He just gives you everything you want. You know how grandparents are? They do to their grandchildren what they would never do to their own kids. And some people see God as that. The problem with that is that view of God bypasses his judgment and his holiness. And so it's not a complete view of God. Others see God as savior as an an employer. He saved you. Therefore, now you owe him your life and you've got to work for him for the rest of your life. Others see God as an eternal judge with Jesus as the advocate. And so they live their lives thinking that God is watching them to judge them. (laughs) At one stage in my life, I kind of had an image of God as this Old man with a long white beard, you know, walking the corridors of heaven watching me. And if I had too much fun, he would whack me. I don't know where that idea came from. It's changed, of course, by now. But people develop in their lifetimes all sorts of strange ideas about who the creator God is. Wrong ideas of God can come from the following. They can come from teaching or tradition. They can come from religious legalism, or they can come from your own experience. Let me explain. Teaching or tradition. Many of us don't live the truth of the Father's love because we have never been taught that God is really our Father. Our theology tends to be so centered on Christ and perhaps the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about Jesus and a lot about the Holy Spirit. We don't spend enough time developing the truth that God is a father. And so we miss out on something there. And and Father God remains a distant person to us. Then the other is religion and legalism that goes with religion. Religion gives you rules and gives you rituals. And it is so easy to feel that if you don't perform those rituals and you don't obey those rules, you are not worthy of God's love and his acceptance. And that is the older brother syndrome. Remember the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son? When he comes back, the father gives him a party. And then the older brother is so upset because the rebel gets a party. And he's there every day sweating it out and he gets nothing. And the father says, you don't understand. You are here. Everything I've got is yours. You see, both the older brother and the younger brother did not understand the love of their father. Father loved them, not because of what they did or didn't do, but because they were his sons. And you see, religious legalism can rob that truth from us. We think we've got to be religious. We've got to obey the rules. We've got to do the rituals. Otherwise, we are not loved by God. Religion tends towards performance, striving, And can lead you to resent a God that puts so much pressure to perform upon you. The other thing that clouds our understanding of God is your own experience. Your own experience with your father, with your earthly father, can create a wrong idea of God. We live in a world today where the term fatherless generation is being used to define how most children are growing up today. Our experiences tend to define our reality. 
how we see our earthly father affects how we see God. If your earthly father was harsh, then we tend to see God as harsh. If our earthly father was not there, then we tend to see God as being unreliable. If we have had bad experiences, we tend to think that God was not interested enough to stop those bad experiences. And we tend to blame him for whatever went wrong. We tend to see God through the lenses of our experiences with our earthly father. There are fathers who are distant, passive, and absent. It is easier for children to adjust to a father who has died and living without his father because he died, then to adjust to a father who is alive, but is just not there. This kind of experience may cause you to find it difficult to believe that God is involved in your everyday affairs. You may find it difficult experiencing the tangible manifest presence of God when worshiping Him or even in your personal private devotions. You may find it difficult hearing God and sensing His love and presence emotionally. There are fathers who are authoritarian and performance-oriented. They can have the following effect on you. You live in fear of failure. You build a relationship with God based on your Christian disciplines. You know, you, you, the stuff you are doing. You feel God is only pleased with you when you pray enough, read the Bible enough, go to church enough. You feel that God is constantly accusing you. Because those kinds of authoritarian fathers, they never completely happy with you. You bring back a report home, it says 95%, and he goes, what happened to the other 5%? And so we tend to relate to God in that way as well. Unfortunately, you also get abusive fathers. Those are the ones who inflict pain on their children deliberately. Emotional pain, mental, physical, sexual pain. They produce the most devastating results and consequences. And this can have the following effects on you. Getting close to God is difficult. You fear being punished. You feel that God is always angry with you. And you are angry at God for not protecting you. It is difficult to believe that God loves you. And then you also have a big problem with the word father as it evokes emotions in you that are unpleasant. So if you have difficulty in seeing God as father, you need to examine your life and try and discern where is that coming from. If it's coming from wrong teaching, from religiousness, you need the renewing of your mind with God's word. If it's coming from experiences, you need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to bring healing over there. You need to exercise forgiveness and you may need some counseling to help you overcome those feelings and emotions. All of these things can be addressed with God's word. But what is God really like? Yes, it is true that God is a creator, a redeemer, a king, and a judge. But let's go back to Genesis 1.1. What was his motivation before Genesis 1.1. What caused him to start creating the universe? What was his intention in creating the universe? Well, let us turn to the word of God. And we're going to Ephesians chapter 1, 
And I'm reading from verses 3 to 6. Listen carefully. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Wow. Let's break the scripture down a little bit. It says that in verse 4, that God chose us before He created. It says, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. God the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Listen, choosing is an act of your will, okay? God wanted you and He wanted me. We are not here by chance. You are not listening to this program or watching the service by chance. God wants you to know that you were chosen. You, it was a decision of His to make us, to create us, to be His children. Hallelujah. We are alive today because God wanted us. And then He predestined us to be adopted as His children. In other words, we are created with the intention of being adopted as His children. Listen, it says there that He wanted us to be holy and without blame. But God knew it was going to be a fall. And so He knew that Jesus was going to come to restore us back to Him. And so we would be what? Adopted as His children. What the Bible is saying here is that God wanted a family. It gives pleasure to God to have you and I as His children. Think about it. We are not a burden or an irritation. We are not another little tick on God's to-do list. No, we are the reason that this universe exists. Think about it. Another truth is this from this passage, that God takes pleasure in you. <laughs> you might be thinking, Pastor, if you only knew me, if you knew my past, if you knew my present, you wouldn't say that. I am saying that. Not because it's my words, it's His word. God's word. Verse 5 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. It is His will and it is His pleasure. So He takes pleasure in us. Listen, God likes you, okay? God likes you. That's what it means to take pleasure in us, to put His affection upon us. It means He likes us. He wants us. I wonder... If you like you, <laughs> sometimes we do stupid things and you wonder, oh, do I like myself? Listen, God likes you. And if you don't like yourself, one of you needs to adjust. And I wonder who it's going to be. Huh? God 
likes you. And he wants you to know today that he wants you and he likes you. It's his choice. So God chose us. Before he started creating this universe, he predestined us to be adopted as his children. And God takes pleasure in you. Listen, when God created man and woman, he didn't just speak it out like he did with everything else. He got personally involved. It says that he formed them. And then he put a process in place which continues until today. He's still personally involved. Listen to Psalm 139. I'm reading from verses 13 to 18. It gives a beautiful description of that process. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that? You are a work of God and you are wonderfully made. You, you believe that? It's God's word for you. He carries on. He says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Remember, we as humans, we are formed from the dust of the earth. And God formed us in our mother's womb, in the depth of that earthen vessel. God formed us. He formed you. Hallelujah. Your eyes saw my unformed body All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Man, this just blows my mind. Your days were written by God before you existed. (laughs) Wow. How precious to me are your thoughts. God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand When I awake, I am still with you. Man, what what you hear here? I'm, I'm hearing a father's love, a father's concern, a God who is intimately interested in my life, in your life. Hallelujah. God is creator, but his creating is rooted in the fact that he is first a father. God is a redeemer, but his redeeming is rooted in his father's heart. It was the father's idea to send the son to save, redeem, and reconcile us so we could be his children. God is king, but God is first a father. And as such, the kingdom is his household. It is our household. We belong to the kingdom of God. God is the judge. God will judge both the living and the dead. But we need to understand that the one doing the judging has the heart of a father. As Christians, we are not judged for past sins. Instead, we are rewarded for the degree to which we are transformed to the image of Christ. God is first a father and family is central to his universe. 
Ephesians 3, verses 14 and 15, say the following. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He treats the church here as family. That's what the church is, family. If you've been around the church for any length of time, we've got a phrase around here. Church is family. Yeah, you know it. It's not our idea. It comes from the word of God. It is his idea. Church is family. If God is first a father, then the church is first a family. God intends families to be a place where we learn who God is. It is the best place to raise children and to develop leadership. 1 Timothy 3 sets out the qualification for leaders in the church. And it says that they must manage their families well. All of God's creating, redeeming, saving, ruling, and judging is rooted in the fact that God is first a father, a loving, wonderful father. And because God is first a father, family is central to God's purposes. God risks everything by revealing himself as a father because God intends that our families should provide us with three things. A sense of security, a sense of belonging, and a sense of identity. That's what God wants for us, and that's what God wants in the families. Security is rooted in consistency. If I am secure, I know what can be counted on. The opposite of security is fear. If we do not feel secure, we look to other people or other things to make us feel secure. God wants us secure because his character is constant. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always be there. Then a sense of belonging. Belonging is rooted in acceptance. If I am wanted, if I am liked, and I feel that I'm important to someone, then I develop a sense of belonging. The opposite is rejection. God wants to settle the fact that you belong. You and I belong. He loves you. He likes you. And he enjoys you. Let's settle that. You are so important to him that he sent Jesus to reconcile you to him. God accepts you just as you are. There is nothing you can do to make him love you more. Did you know that? <laughs> we can do more to please him more, okay. But he can't love you more than he loves you right now. Accept that. You are loved. Nothing can separate you from the love of God your father. And then a sense of identity, as we become secure and develop a sense of belonging, we discover that we are unique and we develop our identity. We understand how we fit in. The opposite is confusion. Some people are so confused, they are constantly on a journey to find themselves. God wants us to know our identity in Him. 
so that we can boldly say, I am a child of God. I know who I am. Many people have been blessed with good earthly fathers. Good fathers are not perfect fathers. Perfect fathers don't exist. There is no perfect earthly father. The smallest weakness can cause hurt in a child, like a broken promise. But there are good fathers and good parents. They do exist. To a good father, family is important. And he will try to provide security, belonging, and identity to his children. God's intention is that we get security, belonging, and identity through our parents, godly parents, who bring us up in the knowledge of the Lord. If your experience of family has left you insecure, rejected, or confused, God wants you to recognize that He Himself can and will provide these things for you by His Spirit and through His body, the church. God wants you to know Him first as a Father, learning security, belonging, and identity. And then He wants you to grow into maturity, understanding the purpose of the law, of His Word, and of God's authority as we become grown-up children. As fathers, we should look to God the Father as our guide and our model. No, we're never going to be like God, all right? But as we allow our character to be shaped by God, we will become better husbands and better fathers. I pray that you will grow in intimacy with Father God that you will live with the assurance that you are loved, you are wanted by a creator who is first a father who loves you and accepts you and wants you just as you are. And then he loves you so much that he doesn't leave you the way you are. He begins a process of transformation in your life, making you and I more and more like Jesus. And as fathers... Let your relationship with Father God enrich your experience as fathers, grandfathers, and father figures. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you'll help us to see you not as a distant God, but as a close, intimate God a father to each one of us, Lord. Give us that revelation. Help us to relate to you in that kind of intimacy, Father. I thank you for your word. Again, I thank you for your blessing upon fathers. I pray your blessing upon families, that, Lord, our families will be places where your name is honored, where there is security, identity, Lord God, and you are honored and glorified. Hallelujah. Oh, it is a place of belonging, Father. And so we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. And now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us as individuals, as families, and help us to enjoy Father's love. God bless you. 
Enjoy Father's Day and see you next week.